I'm Victoria. And I'm Joe. And we're Catholic wedding professionals who love working with brides on this journey toward marriage. As married women ourselves, we totally remember all that goes into preparing for the wedding day. All the stresses and obstacles, and we are here to help you through it all. So that you can prepare for the wedding day and marriage with ease. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Catholic, Catholic Wedding, wedding Podcast. Good morning, Victoria. Happy Thursday as we are recording this. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. I just had my cup of coffee, so I feel like um, I'm ready to start the day officially now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's so exciting. We are so excited to start this podcast and everything, too. This is going to be great. Yeah, and when we were like thinking about and talking about where we kind of wanted this podcast to go and what did we what we wanted it to be for, we thought it made sense to start um, with where a lot of our couples start. Uh, yes. So welcome to every everyone who's listening, all of our Catholic brides or couples. <laughs> uh, yeah. We we know that you start kind of the wedding planning process, getting engaged, and then you kind of wonder, well, what what do I do now? So we thought that would be a a good place to start today. Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of unknowns when you get engaged. Like it's very, it's a very exciting time, but um, it can be overwhelming extremely quickly. So we are hoping that this episode, but then also just like future podcast episodes will help you um, throughout this whole process and yeah, we can kind of be that go-to people, go-to girls, I guess, (laughs) to help you throughout it all. I think after you get engaged, I don't know if it was like this for you, Victoria, but after we got engaged, it was like everybody wanted to know, when's the wedding day? Let me see the ring. Like, those are like the two things that people ask right away. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I just feel like after that, it's just like, where do you start? Where do you go and like how do you yeah how do you like develop a game plan like who do you even talk to first all that kind of stuff it can it can get to be a lot at first so yeah and it's a lot all at once right and people want to know and you know one of those questions is like pretty harmless like yeah like show off that ring you know and the other one is like (laughs) uh I don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's a lot of layers to choosing a wedding date you know what time of year do you want how much you know do you need to save for the wedding and if so how much Mm -hmm. do you need to save because that will depend on how much time you need you know where are you going to be at in your lives is it a military situation you know or is somebody moving for a job you know are there other people that you need to think about when you're choosing a date are there you know family members who are maybe older and who you know you know you want to be there so maybe you need to have it sooner rather than later Um, is the church available is the venue you want available like there's a lot yep and I know for us like we were long distance so just planning it you know when we're one of us is where they need to be and the other person's you know trying to plan it you know halfway across the country it's it gets to be a lot so (laughs) I can definitely relate to that Our, our hope is that in today's podcast we can go through the logistical steps that you take after kind of the initial excitement of engagement has has worn off a little bit and you're really starting to get into the nitty-gritty details of of planning out your wedding day Mm -hmm. so that is what we're going to do today so this might sound pretty obvious but of course the first thing we're going to tell you to do is to pray it can almost seem like redundant for us to like say that but 
it's one of those things that's like, it's so simple, but it's so easy to forget when the, when stress is high. I know even like unrelated to engagement stuff, when I'm stressed, like the last thing I want to do is pray, but it's really important just to like take a step back. Um, not only to pray like individually, but together, even, even though me and my fiance, you know, my, my now husband, we were long distance. We really made an effort to pray every single day together, which I think is really important. And also just helps ground you in like what is actually important when preparing for your wedding. Um, so yeah, just sit down with your future husband and just like pray, just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to equip you with what you need so that you can be patient throughout this process because you're going to need patience throughout engagement and also throughout marriage. So it's already good preparation for marriage. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I know patience is, is one of those things that I need a lot of. Yes. <laughs> because, I, I, because I don't have a lot of it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> What's the next step after, after prayer? What would you suggest, Joe? Step two that I would recommend, and this comes a lot of the information that I'm going to share today comes from the time that I spent working for the church. So I worked for the Diocese of Orlando for several years. So some of this comes from just my knowledge of the, the back end of things or like the logistical things. So step two, I would say, is make an appointment with your parish priest, which is this is kind of two steps in one. Keep in mind that every diocese might be a little bit different in how they do things. You know, one of the great things about being Catholic is things are very universal typically, uh, mm -hmm. but still there might be some idiosyncrasies between dioceses. Typically the church requests that one or both of you is registered at the parish that you're going to be married at for at least three months before you start planning a wedding. And why this is, is because they, you know, they want to make sure that you are a part of parish life. They want to welcome you and to invite you into parish life. They want your marriage to last forever, uh, to last your lifetime. So mm -hmm. they want you to be an integrated part of the parish before you just show up and say, hey, we're gonna plan a wedding here. So some parishes you might have to kind of decide what parish you wanna be a part of and register at that parish before you get engaged. So mm -hmm. when the topic of marriage comes up for you as a couple, maybe start thinking about what parish do we wanna be a part of? What parish might we wanna get married at? so that you can have that intentional conversation of where you want to start your married life. Before even like picking a date, you could have like kind of a date in mind, but before I like kind of broadcasting it, you needed to talk to the priest first because not only do you need to make sure that it's okay, like the priest will be available to marry you, but also they might have other events going on. I know there was one date that me and my husband were looking at but um, there was like a 40 hour adoration going on at our church during that time. So we were not able, they had that happening. So we couldn't actually get married that date. So it was good that we didn't like start broadcasting that date before we knew for sure. So that's something that's also important to keep in mind. Yeah, because a parish still has parish events going on. So there might mm -hmm. already be another wedding or some parishes still don't let you get married during the Lent season, which is, you know, yeah. in this spring. And that can be a very popular time for weddings. Some parishes won't let you get married during Lent. Some parishes will. Um, I'm not sure yeah, what like changed, our, but... Our church, yeah. So I attend tra a traditional Catholic church, so they will not let you get married during Advent or Lent, um, except for very specific circumstances. So... Um, yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
So once you've found your home parish where you want to get married at, call the parish office and set an appointment with your priest. Uh, if you don't know the pastor super well, this is a great opportunity to get to know him uh, and for him to get to know you as a couple. He'll probably ask some questions about how you met, what dating has been like, uh, how the proposal was. He might ask you some other details just about your relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's, of course, all of the paperwork that comes with <laughs> marriage preparation. Yes. So at least for us, it wasn't too hard because most churches do keep good records of your sacraments. I know my parents also had records, but a lot of times you need like um, like a newly issued certificate. Um, yes. I think that might depend on the church, but usually you need it like a, a new, yeah, newly issued certificate of your um, baptism and confirmation. Um, I think we maybe also needed our first communion certificate as well. All of your church records are housed at your church of baptism. So every time you go to get a sacrament, you have to submit a certificate of baptism. So that way the church that you're at now knows where to report the sacrament to. So when you get your updated baptismal certificate on the back of it, it should have listed, hey, they received first Holy Communion this date. They received confirmation this date. So that way the church that you're preparing for marriage at can see, ah, they've you know, received all their other sacraments or they haven't and maybe we need to you know, think about getting you your other sacraments. I think my sister-in-law actually, when she got her updated baptismal, she realized she hadn't been confirmed yet. So she okay. got confirmed before they got married. So it's just a way to kind of keep record of the sacraments that you've had. Um, so you might not remember where you were baptized at, but hopefully your parents do. I know my mom, I'm very grateful, <laughs> kept really good records for us. So I had copies of everything, but I still needed to request an updated baptismal certificate. For military families, however, like if you were baptized on a base, that's, I think there's a diocese for the military and you have to request it from them. But those baptismal certificates can take up to like six weeks to get. Just keep that in mind. My husband was born um, in Germany because his, his father was oh, in wow. the Air Force. So there was a little bit of, not panic at first, but a little bit of like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how long it could take to get these records. But I'm very grateful because his parents actually had him confirmed at a, a parish here in the States that they weren't necessarily a part of, but their parents were a part of. Mm -hmm. So it like made it a lot easier to get the records for. But just keep that in mind if it's like a military situation that there is a, a special place you can request those records from. Right. And I would definitely suggest, um, even if you're not getting married for like a year, just get this paperwork done just because it can be sometimes a little stressful if you have to have things mailed in. And it's just better to get that like one thing checked off. And that way you know that you're set for like the church and that everything's smooth as far as paperwork goes. Yes, so exactly. I definitely recommend just, just getting it out of the way. Yes, for sure. Because the last thing you want is to like have everything good to go and then you're just waiting on paperwork. <laughs> right. Or you find out something like your sister where she found out she wasn't confirmed and then it's just maybe that would, I, I'm not sure, but that could potentially delay things yes, if, that's, if exactly. that's something that you find out last minute. So Yeah. And this is just kind of a note if you've been previously married before. That was my situation. I had been previously married and gotten a divorce and an annulment. So, of course, I had to bring all of that paperwork in as well. So I had to bring in uh, 
I think the marriage certificate from the first marriage, the divorce decree from the state, and then the annulment um, ruling from the diocese. So that was just like a whole nother round of paperwork that you got to bring in as well. Yep. And then of course, after all that is good, as far as like setting the date with the church, kind of like what we said already, it's really important to talk to the parish priest. And then sometimes they have a coordinator at the church that you also need to discuss with and like be in contact with. Um, but it's really important to talk to them before before really doing anything else, um, just because if you start kind of hiring vendors for a certain date and then it ends up not working out for that date um, because of some reason that the, the priest is unable to do it that day or something like that, then it just kind of throws everything off. So I would definitely recommend reaching out to them before before kind of even talking to any vendors. Yeah, which can be a little bit stressful if you know that there's certain vendors that you want but it's really important that you have the date with the church before you book anything else, right? Because that's where the actual marriage ceremony is gonna take place. Just a little background on our situation. When we were preparing for marriage, you know, we're, we're in our late 20s. We were 28 at the time and we were ready to be married and we met with our priest and he says, something along the lines of like, I'm a barbecue man, I like things low and slow. So he wanted us to wait like a year to a year and a half to be married and we, <laughs> Probably not so forwardly, but I was kind of like, Father, I'm not getting any younger here, and we want to have, you know, children, God willing, so mm-hmm. we don't want to wait a year and a half. And he was pretty open to it, but he wanted us to make sure that we were ready for marriage, of course, before we entered into the marriage. So he only agreed to letting us get married eight months after we got engaged if we finished every single thing first. So we did not finish everything until February and we got married in May, which meant that we like kind of planned our wedding in three months. So. Oh, wow. Hey, he didn't let you plan anything until, oh, wow. No, he would not let us confirm the date until we finished all of our fully engaged program, all of our, like, because I had the annulment, I had to go through like a second round of like, counseling with um you know my now husband uh, but at the time my fiance so there he made us go through every part of the marriage prep process before he would approve our date um, wow yeah so that being said <laughs> just I make think it, sure. I think it does depend on your priest too um because I, I don't know if this is more um for traditional catholics but I feel like there it's more I don't know I wouldn't I don't know if accepted is the right word or like encouraged to have shorter engagements, to not have okay. like a prolonged engagement. So typically for, tradi- yeah, typically for traditional Catholics, they don't want you to go past a year um, in engagement. So after, just because of like different temptations and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so typically they actually not encourage like a month engagement, but only typically like six months is that's kind of fascinating yeah so it must depend really on like the parish priest because yeah of different situations yeah so just something to keep in mind (laughs) like we said there's more paperwork even after you do the um like getting all your certificates and stuff like that you have different um forms that you're going to have to fill out um and basically those forms are going to be 
just to make sure that you've never been married before. Um, I know the priest will also do like an actual meeting with you and your fiance together and then separately to make sure you're not being coerced or forced into this marriage against your will. <laughs> um, we had to swear on the Bible that, like, that we were not being coerced and everything. So um, oh it's kind of interesting. I never did that before. <laughs> it wasn't super legit. Like it wasn't in a court, but it was just in front of the priest that like yeah. we were saying that we're not lying. We genuinely are entering into this marriage free of our will and everything. And then um, we also needed to have a couple of different papers signed by people that knew us to make sure that you know, what we're saying is also accurate that, yes, we've never been married before and we haven't made any crazy commitments to like the, like to the religious life or something like that, like um, yeah. very serious commitments that they would know about. So I know that those, that's a few different things that we had to do throughout our marriage prep. Were there any other things that you had to do? No, I mean, that was basically it too. So those forms are called A forms and then the ones that you give to other people are called B forms. And yeah, they had to be signed uh, by a notary as well. But those are like the forms where, that's why you don't hear at a Catholic wedding, like speak now or forever hold your peace because that's that's what those forms basically say. Is that, I wonder if that's more of a modern thing than speak now forever hold your peace. Like as far as like, for non-Catholics or something. Yeah, that's like a thing that they do in rom-coms. Mm-hmm. That's where yep. you hear it most often. That's why it doesn't actually get said in a church wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah, because by then, hopefully, if anything, it comes out. Also, um, at our church, like, I'm guessing it's it's similar to all Catholic churches, but they actually do announce the, the marriage bans um, a couple months before the wedding. Um, ours, sometimes they do it from, like, the pulpit, but ours were in our bulletin. So if there was anyone to know that there was, a, for any reason that we're not supposed to be getting married, oh. they put it actually in the bulletin for, I think it's like the three the three Sundays preceding the wedding. That's interesting. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, they put it in. So if there's anybody who knows that we're not supposed to get married, interesting. it's in there. I kind of want to go back and read through the bulletins to see if they did that for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just said wedding bands, you know, and our names and everything. It didn't say the whole spiel, but obviously if anyone had yeah. a concern. Then they would have said something interesting. So they do take a lot of precautions. And if you are, if, you know, if someone were to know of some reason, they are obligated to say it, obviously, before yeah. you. And I know, I know that everything we've said so far just feels like a lot of work and a lot of steps and a lot of paperwork so far. Everything that we've mentioned so far is for the purpose of setting you and your future spouse up for success. So every part of this marriage process is designed for your good. And I know like when I first found out that I had to go through like all these extra steps because of my annulment, like, was I annoyed at first? Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, but you know what? Like, this is only going to serve to be better for me and my husband, right? Like, is it really vulnerable because I have to, like, hash out everything that happened, you know, in the first marriage and why it failed? Sure. Like, do I want to relive that? No. However, I know that, like, talking through those things with the counselor with my future spouse is going to be really beneficial and really helpful for us in our marriage and moving forward. And like, yeah, like you just said, like the churches, they're not trying to deter you from marriage or, you know, like make things more complicated, but they're really trying to make sure that it's a healthy relationship that you're entering into free of will, you know, and that um, 
yeah, your marriage is going to be set up for success, like you said. You finish all your paperwork at the parish. Woohoo! So the next step is after you've secured your date with the church is to find your venue. So start by thinking about what city do you want to have it in? Do you want to have it in your hometown? Do you want to have it where you live now? Do you want it at a destination somewhere far away? Is it a military situation that you need to have, you know, somewhere in particular? Um, you know, maybe maybe you and your future spouse live in a city that's far from your families. Like, do you want to go back and have it where your families are? Um, so when it comes to picking your venue, kind of really think and decide where you want to have your wedding. Right. And I'd also recommend look at venues that are not super far from your church. That way, um, not yes. only for, you know, guests sake and everything. So they're not driving super far, but also for your own sake. That way, um, this is obviously coming from like photography perspective. That way you have more time to actually take pictures and not stress about driving like an hour away to your venue. It's not um, impossible to do that, of course, but it is going to eat up a decent amount of your time for the wedding day. And and then there's always the possibility of traffic and all those yeah. extra fun things. So I do recommend if you can, obviously it depends on budget and it depends on location of your parish, but I would recommend trying to find something that's not too far from your church, Yeah, ideally. I, yes, 10 out of 10 would agree. <laughs> <laughs> After you have your venue, so I definitely recommend having your date set with your church, having your venue kind of solidified, and then you want to reach out to your next vendors. I would recommend, this is somewhat biased, but the next vendors you usually want to recommend or usually want to book are your photographer and your videographer. Um, just because they're the ones who are going to influence a lot of your wedding day, you're going to be with them like the majority of the day and you want to make sure that you pick someone that you really enjoy their personality and their work and as it gets closer to your wedding day if you are to wait especially if you're getting married during like the spring or the fall those are going to be the most booked up dates so you don't want to wait until just a couple months before your wedding Yes, yeah. I would totally agree and again like we're kind of biased because like we do photography and videography but I know that, like, taste and style-wise, you're going to want somebody who you like their work, you get along with them, you're going to be with them basically your whole day. So you will have the most options available to you the sooner that you book them in your process, which is why we recommend doing that next. Absolutely. But after you kind of have that sorted out, I would recommend actually making a list. Sometimes photography and videography might not be your number one. So um, you don't necessarily have to do that first. I still recommend it just because they're gonna make a, they're gonna have a huge influence on your wedding day. But I do recommend at least making a list of all of the vendors. So list out dress, flowers, um, jewelry, hair and makeup, all those kinds of vendors that you're gonna have on your wedding day um, and kind of rank them in order of importance. Um, because for like for instance, I, I wasn't super into flowers. Um, for my wedding day. Like I wanted to have flowers, but I'm not a huge flower person. So I was okay going Same. with a little bit <laughs> less like expensive DIY situation. And they worked out just fine and I didn't spend thousands of dollars in flowers. But for you, flowers might be like the main thing besides the wedding itself. So it just helps ranking them 
That way you have an idea of like when you're thinking of your budget, where to allocate your funds. If photography and videography is the most important, that's who you should um, consider investing in the most, but also booking first. Whereas if you're not super into makeup or you don't really want makeup, that would be like the very bottom. And then that's also the, the least priority to figure out for your actual wedding. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I think it totally does. And I feel like that is a good way to kind of make sure that you're checking, you're like you're ticking off boxes as you get things accomplished. Because where your priorities part, where your priorities are, your budget will follow, if that makes Absolutely. sense. So for example, like our wedding, it was the the venue, which is where we stayed at the night before, we got ready the day of, that's where the reception was, and that's where we all stayed the night of. That was the most expensive thing. But mm -hmm. not far behind was photo and video because that was really important to us. Whereas like things like the wedding dress and the flowers were at the bottom of the list because they were less important to us. So where your priorities are, there your budget will follow. I absolutely agree. And then after you kind of have your list, also check with your fiance on your list because you might not prioritize certain things, whereas he might. Um, I think it's like a common thing that, you know, the... The saying is like the guys don't really care, it's just your day. But sometimes um, your fiance does have like their one thing that they think would be really cool to do on the wedding day. Or maybe they do really want to be involved in the process. So yeah. as you're making your list, like check with them and see like, is this what you think too? Because um, maybe they've always envisioned like a really awesome like wedding cake or something. You never know like what their priorities are as right. well. Right, exactly. No, I think that's great to know. I actually met with a couple recently to like talk about their day and it was like an inquiry Zoom call and stuff. And like mm -hmm. at the end of it, I, you know, said to the bride, I was like, hey, like if you want to grab coffee, like walking them through the process. And I said, hey, if you want to get coffee, we can talk through the timeline and stuff. And I said like, you know, oh, groom, like, you don't have to come if you don't want to, which was so wrong of me to assume because he got kind of sad and he was like, well, I want to be a part of the process. And I was like, oh, my gosh, well, then by all means, like, come along. So you just never know. And I had another couple who the bride didn't really feel like video was necessary, which is totally fine. And we're like a couple months out from the wedding and the groom reached out and he was like, hey, I really want to add video. Can we do that? Because that was really important to him. So you just never know until you sit down and you kind of talk through those things. But once you have mm -hmm. a list of the priorities for you and your fiance, just start working through them. And don't be afraid to ask for your friends and your family to help you through those things. You know, some things you're going to have to do kind of on your own or you two as a couple, but there's going to be a lot of other really fun things that you can do with other people as well. And other people who love you are going to want to be a part of the process. Like it's exciting to them to join in. Yes, absolutely. And I think some people, some like some of your family and friends might not know how much help you want or they don't want to step on your toes. So don't be afraid to ask for help because this is planning an entire event. This is this is a really big thing. No matter if your wedding is going to be for, you know, 30 people or 200 people, it's still a big event. So most likely there are a lot of people who are willing to help. You might just need to ask. Um, yeah. And the other thing is if you feel like it is a little bit too overwhelming, um, you can always potentially hire a wedding planner as well to kind of help you throughout the process um, in addition to that. So that is For definitely sure. an option. And I would definitely recommend it if you're starting to feel overwhelmed and if you have the budget for it. 
For sure, for sure. Well, Victoria, I feel like that's all we have for today. Yes, I think that's a great place to kind of just get started. Those are like the major priorities. Um, soon after you get engaged, like, like we said, after the initial excitement starts to kind of die down and you have to kind of buckle down with the planning process, I think if you follow these steps, you'll have a great start to all of the planning. Yeah, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at catholicweddingpodcast at gmail.com. Or on our Instagram page, you can always send us a DM. Victoria and I are both on there for you. We hope that this was helpful to you and your fiancé as you start the wedding planning and marriage preparation process. Know that we are praying for you. Please pray for us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.